Hello and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. We're having our usual stroll through the Welsh hills today, watching the buzzards circle overhead, doing their thing. And we thought we'd have another meander through the mind of Lao Tzu today. But before we do that, I'd just like to mention that we have a, a new thing going on, very exciting, hopefully. In the description for this podcast, you'll find a link to our Buy Me A Coffee page, which we've just sorted out. Although these days, it's probably going to be more like buy me a carrot or buy me <laughs> 10 minutes of, of heating, really. Yeah. But uh, we'll <laughs> call it buy me a coffee. It sounds yeah. a bit more uh, pleasant, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you could uh, if you could explore that, I'd be very grateful. Keep us going. It'd be, be nice to stay alive a little bit longer (laughs) anyway so we are on chapter 67 of Tao Te Ching and let's have a read through and see what this one's all about today chapter 67 I have three priceless treasures the first is compassion the second thrift and the third is that I never want to be ahead of you If I have compassion, you'll die for me. I know that. If I waste nothing, I can give myself to you all. And if I don't seem perfect, then you'll trust me to lead you. These days, people scorn compassion, then try to be tough. They spend all they have and yet want to be generous. They despise humility and want to be the best. I tell you, that way is the way of death. If you have loved your people, you will know it. They will fight tooth and nail for you in attack or defence. This is the protection of heaven and your harvest. When we were reading through this earlier on, I was having a bit of a <laughs> bit of a joke about this line. I tell you, that's the way of death. The way of death, I tell you. And it's like, it's really dramatic because it's like completely on a line on its own. It's like really, really, yeah. really stands out. Yeah, yeah. Like he's having a bit of a, a bit of a drama day. Yeah. He's hold, he's, I think he's uh, got his yeah. head in his hands and he's, he's, yeah. he's shouting. He's shouting. Maybe he's had a, like a bit too much wine and he's out there on the street. This is the way of death, yeah. I tell you. <laughs> of course he's right. And the dystopia that he's describing is precisely our social arrangements at the current time. You know, compassion is scorned in the name of real, real politic, you know, which, is a, which is basically a posture of toughness. You know, it's more important to win than to have principles. Yeah. And as I say, compassion is, is scorned. You know, there's, a, there's an industry given over to uh, otherising. Uh, poor people and less fortunate people and making them a scapegoat, an internal scapegoat in order to divide and rule the population and we live with all this and it it is indeed the way of death certainly Freud's right in that there is a thanatos, a kind of a death drive or a a will to destruction Um, which according to some people is at the very very psychological core of fascism then Lao Tzu is, you know, chiming into something that, uh, that was rediscovered, you might say, or re-elaborated in the 20th century. And if you go back over our podcast, you'll see that I did a series a while ago on fascism, and I promised in the last episode to do 
another one which would actually deal with this idea that fascism is weaponised death drive and uh, I'm getting round to it, it but it does turn out to be a very intricate uh, argument that's needed to, to sort of run with this so anyway that's uh, relating this Lao Tzu chapter to our general kind of interests and thrust you know and he's, he, he does chime in with us quite a fair bit I think on this well, compassion uh, is indeed a, 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 price, a priceless treasure. I don't yeah, say that. We definitely do with some more of that. Yeah, I mean. Especially from the people in charge. Indeed, indeed. And I'm, I'm glad he speaks up for it. I mean, what is compassion? Compassion is feeling with. Compassion, feeling with. Having, having a passion for your fellows. Having a love for your fellows. And perceiving that, that, we're, that no man is an island. Even though, of course, like Lao Tzu does aspire to, to, uh, to, to solitary wandering in the mountains. Nevertheless, he realises, you know, that uh, people survive and thrive in, in communities. Yeah, I mean, the solitary wandering in the mountains is so that you can, you can gather uh, wisdom and self-knowledge in order to bring it back to the community. That, that is the point in many ways. We are obviously at all for it, and uh, I don't believe that in, in considerations of leadership, and considerations of politics like Lao Tzu is undertaking here, can be completely severed in the name of science or scientific socialism or something like that, or economics, from values... And values means just literally that. What do people value? You know, what 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 aspects of character, for instance, are, are valued by by sensible people? Well, compassion has to be one of them. I doubt the human race would have survived if there weren't a sprinkling of, of genuinely compassionate people amongst us at all times. Oh, we we would we wouldn't get by, no. you know. And he's correct. He's correct about that. And and I think our our politics needs to hold it centre stage and we need to expose the way in which being compassionate, compassionate is thought to be, I don't know, what woke or snowflake-ish or something like that you know, and over and against that we have the toughness of real politic I'll say no to that and it is just the posture of people who don't have the, uh, the, the, the energy to, 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 to summon their compassionate nature now the second is thrift Again, he's, he's right, you know. I mean, if we're... I mean, I don't believe in um, asceticism, you know, in, in self-denial in any way. I think that, that these things are kind of a plague in many ways, you know. Um, but at the same time, just just spaffing all our surplus product up the wall on, on, on weapons and on indulgence, you know. And when the whole, the whole point, the pinnacle of our social life is, is how much you can blow on a bottle of champagne or whether you can buy an ostentatious yacht, is, is, really, is really ludicrous and, and quite toxic and necrophiliac, to be frank. You know, it, it, does, it ends in death because just our, our world can't sustain it. I mean, what he's talking about, of course, is unsustainability, a world without compassion and thrift. Thrift in the sense of just being mindful that, that resources are limited and the planet's 
carrying capacity is limited. That's how I would translate thrift it, you know. And uh, he, he, what Lao Tzu is describing is the unsustainability of, obviously, his own society and more so ever society. The third value that he puts forward is, I never want to be ahead of you. He's not competitive about winning, about having the most status. And he's recommending to us that we don't play that game. And he's pointing out that anybody who's thrust into a position of leadership or in a position of influence over society or over groups in society just really does need that humility, you know. They can't play that competitive game uh, and that status game without, again, the whole business becoming unsustainable and toxic and indeed, you know, a, a way of death. I mean, if, if all of these negative values get written even larger than they already are, we are in fact all doomed. You know. Basically because there'll be nothing to mitigate people fighting each other, which they are prone to do, and nothing to mitigate uh, rampant consumerism and waste. Thrift is the antidote to all the waste and consumerism and, 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 and um, ramp, rampant extractionism, you know, that, that, that obviously has a limit. And similarly, the games of status feed, feed the consumerism. They feed the direction our society goes. And they place us over and against each other. So if somebody's going to lead, they really almost need to embody the opposite of our current toxic anti-values they need to embody compassion thrift and, and, and that sort of humility or non-competitiveness which is a genuine self-acceptance and self-knowledge you know if you have if you have self-knowledge and if you, you realize the, uh, the, the, the 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 grand the the grandeur and strangeness of your own being. You don't have any need to prove anything to anybody, really. You know, with status. You know, see, you know, just basically the the quest for status is clawing your, your way up the shit pile. That's what it is. It's just clawing your way up a pile of shit and and to become a cock upon a dung hill perched. Yeah. You know. And that is, but that is a game. That it's a big, it's a big prominent game that is sold to us. We sell it to children in schools, even in some, some ways. So, I mean, he, 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 again, he could be talking about us, you know. Th these days, people scorn compassion. Th they try to be tough. You see that? They try to be tough. You see the Tories doing this one? Oh, yeah. And fucking Labour emulating it, yeah. you know, in our... They spend all they have and yet want to be generous. Well, they like to be seen as generous, but basically they're just into the business of, like, splurging, spaffing, <laughs> you know. They despise humility and, want, but, and yet want to be the best. So again, this, this game, loads to Sue, is saying if you're going to lead, don't play it. In fact, if you're just going to live a life, don't play it, because it will mar your life eventually, you know. Much better to quieten down, you might say, and uh, just retreat a little bit from the kind of turmoil and, and the, the mad games that, that structure our social existence uh, and, and encounter the, the, the grandeur of your own being and the madness of your own being 
and the absurdity of your own being, you know, the wonderful absurdity of your own being. And then you'll be you'll be satisfied to just to, to move on in life and to you know and, and, and to exercise compassion, which is a joy if you can do it. And as he says, you know, as a leader, if you've loved your people, you'll you'll know it because they'll fight tooth and nail for you. Whether in attack or defence, this is the protection of heaven and your harvest. And he's saying there are rewards for taking this orientation to life, this comportment to your own existence, and this comportment to the fact that you might be somebody who's thrust into a leadership role. And I wish people would take notice. No, no, it's a bit hyperbolic. It's a little bit po- po- poetic, you know, and it's a bit utopian. But nevertheless, there's a real lesson there, I think. You know. I want to live in a society which, which has a, a, a very broad and tolerant culture. But at the core of it, there is, is, is compassion. And I don't think we have to teach people compassion, but what we, do, what we have to do... is not thwart it, not hobble it, not destroy it, not beat it out of children, which, is, which in a great many cultures, historically, is, is what actually has happened. But naturally, you, you, you are compassionate and wise. <laughs> I mean, for the Vajrayana Buddhists, this is, this is the... The, the, the true meaning of the conjunction of opposites that you you can find in certain meditation, the true unity of being, is a marriage and a productive, erotic embrace between wisdom and compassion. And I think that that is, that is right. You can find that in, in yourself, not as something you've cultivated or produced, by effort and austerity and asceticism and intricate yogic practices. It's something that pre-exists in you as the essence of your being, as the very core and quintessence of your being, compassion. And he's, he's asking us to, re- to re-contact it if we've lost contact with it and perhaps develop a culture in which we don't destroy it in people. As I said, re- uh, repeating myself a little here, this is something that does happen as a cultural project. And of course, the great and the good in our country, in our 21st century, do actively propagate this kind of toughness thing, and they call it real politic. You know, oh, well, it's hard. We're going to have to tighten the, the, the belts of the poor for them. Um, some people will suffer, but we've got to do it. But we're tough. We can take the tough decisions. You hear them say this shit? And it's called real politics, you know, the politics of reality. And it isn't, it's a posture. It's a, it's, it's a posture of people who have been traumatised and damaged by their education to lose contact with their, their intrinsic thrift, their intrinsic compassion and their intrinsic lack of competitiveness, their intrinsic humility. I mean, there's, there's a, again, all, all, all values that we should value, in my opinion, which pre-exist in human beings. So really our task should, should be simple. We just stop, we, we, we just stop polluting everything. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah. know. I mean, that means spiritually, culturally, psychologically, as well as materially. Just quit the pollution, people. And uh, <laughs> it'll be great, and things will be a lot better. So, yeah, I kind of quite like this one, actually. Three priceless treasures, compassion, thrift, and never wanting to be ahead of others. And those are qualities for Lao Tzu, because he's always talking about leadership, of, of, of a natural leader, you know. And uh, some people do get thrust thrust into leadership roles, you know, in, in workplaces when there's stuff kicks off and they get made into it. Everybody pushes them forward and says, you're the union guy now, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It happens to people in life, you know. But, of course, obviously we have politics as well. And, but in our politics, you aspire to lead. In Lutzer's politics, you, you have leadership thrust <laughs> upon you. And, yeah, it's, I, I definitely want to be exploring, this is kind of resurrected, the Freudian death wish concern of mine. And I have, it's funny when I kind of, I copied this out for us to use on the, on the walk. And the same morning before I did that, I'd been reading, I'd been sort of revisiting the, the, this long gnawing that I've been doing for years and years. On how coherent Freud's notion of a death wish is, you know. And I was looking at what Eric Fromm had to say with it. Because, uh, as I say, there's a lots of ins and outs, and I, I kind of despair, can it be made into a podcast, as I promised to do? And uh, I was kind of like doubt, doubting it, but of course this, I've seen the way he's come at it here, and it sort of changed it a little bit, you know. It was like one of those happy coincidences that he met, he, like too, 2,000 years ago, mentions this thing I've been gnawing away at for... For, for years, how you do with a, a, perhaps a philosophical problem, you just know. Still being useful across the ages. You're still being useful across the ages. So thank you, Lao Tzu, for putting the effort in all that time ago. I'm sure it was um, a bit grinding at times, but uh, well done. So thank you for coming on this walk with us today. I hope you've had a nice time. We have. <laughs> And we will speak to you again soon. Have a good apocalypse. And if you feel like it, buy us a coffee. Over and out. Make knowledge great again.